Welcome to the heartland of America, as the World Wrestling Federation presents the first ever King of the Ring extravaganza. Tonight, eight of the toughest superstars of the WWF will bang heads in a grueling single elimination tournament to determine once and for all who is the King of the Ring. Hey there, folks. Welcome to Talking Tourneys, episode number 24. I am one of your hosts, Sam DiMaggio, and with me, per usual, is Dan Rice. Dan, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Excited about having a guest on. Excited to have a guest on to talk about Tetsujin Beauty in Combat, our dear, close, personal friend, Tim. Tim, how you doing? Doing great. Uh, doing good. You guys just jump into it. Dan just saying there's a guest instantly. I like to meander around before I even mention the guest. He was like, if I don't mention it now, Sam's never going to get back to it. And We'll be in the semifinals it. and I'll go, wait, Tim's on the line. He's dialed in for what do you think of all this? This match. Yeah. Well, we did say we were going to do the Smoky Mountain. We could just let him sit here while we talk about the Smoky Mountain tournament and then eventually I'll get huge in. What a good bit. Yeah, you could do a yeah. block block recording. It's like or, a taping. Uh, him, like, what did you think about this match? I, well, maybe I'll remember. We'll be talking about every match. Would this match be better if it featured Jordan Cage? And that would be a good <laughs> barometer to figure out how good was Tetsujin. But we're here now. We're moving. We're grooving. As always, we're going to start with kind of like, hey, how do we land here? Dan, I'm going to toss it to you, but you're probably going to toss it to Tim. How do we land in Tetsujin? Well, I uh, I believe Tim said he won in the tournament with either Jack Gallagher or Travis Banks. And so we had to pick between one of the two Tetsujins. Yeah. Is that how it went? That was, I mean, that was pretty much it. I yeah. said, let's get, a, let's get Zach Gallagher. Uh, let's get, you know. Trent Seven. That's it, really. Actually, I was like looking at it. I'm like, who else is really canceled from here? Not. I guess that's about it. Dan Maloney, kind of. Well, to an extent, all these guys are shitty. Um, except for my one perfect, perfect boy who unfortunately didn't make it through the final. Oh man, yeah, it is. It's a crop of folks. Did you do a review of this when it first? 
came out. I thought that we did do a podcast of all of them, but I went through the history books and tried to kind of find it because I did want to compare my my taste then to my taste now after watching it. And all I could find was doing a primer for the second one with Quentin, um, doing a pod blast where we talked about the previous one having happened. So we did not actually do an episode of the uh, of the first one. So this is the first time reviewing it, which is funny because I was like, oh, okay, it'll be funny to redo this one. And I we actually picked the one that we did not review. Um, oh, so man. that's perfect. Well, I feel like we landed on this because when I was on with you and Quentin talking about King of DDT, you, we brought up watching old CCK and yes. Tetsuten came up and I was like, that's talking turnings. Like, that, that's, that's how I remember it. But that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Cause you brought, cause really when Sam says, how did we get here? Like Dan messaged me and acted as if like, which Tetsujin are we doing? Like the decision had already been made. <laughs> so I was not, I was not. Uh, so maybe that didn't take place. And I just imagined that's true. That no, happen. no, we did talk about it though. Oh, we did God. talk about that stuff, but I, I, I don't <laughs> he know. Locked it said, in. Like, Oh, we're going to do it. Yeah, Dan decided like, like, okay, the decision has been made. We're doing Let's it. just put this in place. We're doing it. We're just yeah. figuring out a date. I'm just going to message people which best of the best are we doing. Just like, you know, just really pinnacle. <laughs> oh, man. I think our guest rate, would, response rate would go up substantially if that's how you went about it. But it takes the pressure off of like, you don't have to think of a tournament. I got it for you. You got to pick one of these. Yeah, oh. that does make it easier. <laughs> they just haven't agreed yet to be on the show. Um, <laughs> that's the that's the rib. Oh, man. It's going to be the one best of the best I've been to. That's the only one I want to do, Dan. Anyhow. I'm not what was that? I think the audio is better when I pick a tournament and you hate it. If I'm being totally honest. <laughs> there we go. It's fair. That's true. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Okay. But- now, what's funny, I'll just say, when I first watched this, I think it was because, I don't know the order, but I know Segunda Kaida did a review of it, and then you pushed it hard on Twitter, Sam. So like whatever order you like of that happened, I read their review and then you pushed it. I was like, all right, I'll buy this. It was oh. like it was like less than ten bucks or around ten bucks or something at the time. So I did watch this at the time. I remember that. I did that. Huh? Yeah, you 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 talked about it back in you know twenty sixteen or whatever. It's got a presence what? on why sheets. Would... Why would you watch it? Based on, because I remember Sam did not like this, so it seems I, odd that you would watch it based on Sam's review. See, I thought Sam was saying people should buy this because I remember somebody I followed on Twitter then said someone said buy it and posted a link, and I had already read the Segunda Kaida review, I think, but like the link being in front of me, I remember being on Twitter and being like, you know what, yeah, okay. Huh. Dan, I maybe don't remember for, this. Well, I mean, maybe I made it up. You know what? Maybe it's you possible. did make it up. Confirmed liar on the show already. So, could have been, it could have been someone else. Yeah. Well, let I'm me trying tell to think you of who. Maybe it was Benno. Maybe maybe you were following Benno back then. Was anyone following Benno back then? Uh, well, I could say I have feelings about this tournament now. If I didn't have him then. Okay. The well, whole card felt totally. My. Uh, wait wait wait! Listen to this. The whole card felt unique and totally worth the time. Which admittedly is a pretty short time. Felt like a Ute take on sh- shoot style. Yeah, you 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 somewhat like this. Is this me? 
This is me. You're just finals was the right match. Came off great. Overall, an easy thumbs up. Get it for less than twelve dollars here, and you have a link. Dan, I think you're just lying to me. At this well, I mean, I could be a confirmed liar. All I'm saying is, you're telling me these things. I haven't seen a link. I haven't seen evidence. I, I think mean, you're I, just I went, you've AI'd Twitter advanced search and put in you and Ted Sujin. You talked a lot about it. A lot came up, honestly. Wow, that's too, that's too crazy. Much. I'm not the only one who remembered because Quentin agreed he remembered that Sam didn't like it. He posted about it again in December of 2016. If you have not seen the <laughs> from last year, please go out of your way to watch it. All caps has a link to the YouTube. Oh my goodness. Huh. Sam was That's interesting. That's interesting. I thought I, I knew like I had that in my mind. I was like, I felt like someone posted a link. I'm a, I'm a lazy person, but if you give me a link, I'm like, okay, I don't have to actually do anything. It's right here. Oh, fuck it. Yeah. Well, it's especially weird because it was on-demand progress. So, like, you didn't need to buy it. You could just get it with the demand progress I thought the first show was, like, I guess a still buying it, but... purchase, but maybe I was wrong. It was, but oh. then relatively quickly after that, it was just on the streaming service. Hmm. Now, like you talked about progress. on your show, I've never been big in the UK scene. Like, I'm always dipping my toe in and out. So, like, I never would have sure. subscribed to Demand Progress. That's fair. I couldn't blame you. Now uh, I got a but yeah. question to things I've said in my, my time here on the X. Interesting. Yeah. I, I agree. Interesting. It is interesting. It is interesting. I think Dan's making it up still. Uh, but what do you I think do? that Sam was saying something different in the Slack chat and then was out there shilling it publicly and we all just didn't notice. Man, how fun would that be? Just two time in the Slack. All right. I don't know. Were you getting some kind of deal? Were like, you getting cut in on the royalties on oh, selling man. that thing? Maybe? That would have been so good. Did you get like two bucks from me buying or something? I could have gotten two bucks from Dan buying it. Ah. Uh, would have been worth it. Would have been worth it. Anywho. Because this, uh, okay, so this is something. I don't even remember ever knowing this, actually, but this was being put on by, like, some podcast people. Like, there was podcast buddies that were putting these shows together, I guess. I didn't. I don't know how I didn't know this at the time, or ever, um, until recently. And, uh... And Sam, I mean, I, you know, you have your, your tentacles linked into the podcast community, so you could have been getting some kind of deal. But really, when you think about it, Tetsujin was like the original DPW with the podcast deciding to start its own promotion. There we go. That's what everyone was talking about with DPW. They were saying, this is the next Tetsujin. That was <laughs> the logical outgrowth of Tetsujin. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Now I'm looking up my tweets and I'm not loving it. I have so many tweets about it, Dan. You were right. That's what I said. Like, this is too many. This is like a dozen. No one should have as many thoughts about this this tournament, this promotion. Um, oh, here's something. Any news here, lads? Love the Tetsujin. That's you subscribing to the Tetsujin account that is no longer in existence. Amazing. There was more, to my knowledge. Anywho. Yes, there's tons. Do we want? Do we want to get into breaking down this roster no, of talent? No, read Sam's tweets. We're done. <laughs> he covered it. Oh, it's it's uh, funny. I uh I, I tweeted about Tetsujin and Dan Maloney in Tetsujin in May. Uh, oh, 
Ah, man. I have so many thoughts. It was all from 2016. What a, what a hoop. Also, I'm linking to a YouTube that's no longer there somehow. Doesn't make sense. Anyway, we have a roster of talent here. We got one of the few men that didn't make it out of the movement there. Uh, Jack Gallagher, uh, Zach Gibson, Tyler Bate, Chris Brooks, Dan Maloney, Chris Ridgway, Trent Seven, and Dave Mastiff. Tim, how are we feeling off the bat? How are we feeling with this these lads? Uh, well, okay. You have to keep in mind too that there was a uh, a substitution here. I don't know if you are I aware. I uh, recall. Chris Chris Ridgeway was a last minute substitution for Mikey Whiplash, and he was doing the Michael Gilbert gimmick at the time. I do not recall what the reason for Gilbert pulling out was. But yeah, Ridgeway was a last minute replacement. It was going to be uh, Whiplash versus Maloney there in the first round, which I think probably changed this tournament quite a bit when you really look at it. Um, not to say like, you know, maybe it would be completely different, but I could have seen um, Gilbert making it to the finals if we're being perfectly honest. And you almost get a better story for the final um, with a veteran babyface who's pretty well-skilled in all this stuff going up against a younger... Or a veteran heel who's pretty skilled in, like, grappling going up against a younger babyface who is clearly, you know, they show throughout the tournament how talented he is. That's interesting. Yeah, I wouldn't... I didn't recall that, and I didn't remember hearing that on commentary. But also... Oh, speaking of, did you guys had commentary? No, now I, that I said I that, not. I was like, oh, no, I'm just remembering the weird sound issue in the finals, and I mistook that as, oh, gotcha. there was other sound to be had. Yeah. Um, Which is, I know it's funny for a podcast to put on a show where they don't talk. You right. would think the podcast guys would want to be on commentary. It's probably, it's definitely for the better that they're not, but. Yeah, and I, I swear, I. I don't know why, but I swear that there was commentary, maybe, but I don't think so. I think there was never commentary. Yeah, I. Do you have you don't have the original file still, Dan? The one that you downloaded that you paid to download because of Definitely Sam. Not. Uh, all right. No, I don't have any tweets about the commentary, unfortunately, in my extensive backlog. So can't can't say it ever happened. Can't say it ever happened. Fair. Let's get in to the first round here first up we got jack gallagher versus zach gibson dan take it away uh i mean i thought it was really really cool um gallagher's in the full gi he's uh i mean he's like in his element here and uh he does like a lot of cool like submissions like he's always working for something he doesn't just like put on the hold and um, it's not long. I mean, it was just pretty common for the show, but it ends up with just, uh, sorry, where he just jumps into a guillotine and pulls in and finishes it and kind of puts over that Gallagher's, you know, you know, a strong favorite in this tournament. Tim, how are we feeling? Um, 
I guess I'll just give it away at the beginning and say fuck it. But like, yeah, I mean, this was I think the best match of the tournament. Um, I think it causes some problems that maybe I'll talk about when we talk about the whole thing overall at the end, um, because they should have. This was an easy to predict good matchup. These guys are literally had wrestled like two days before this in what was kind of the blow off of a long term feud that they had in. Um, oh, God, now I can't remember the name of the fucking promotion. But uh, they had a long term feud in uh, in another promotion where they had wrestled each other for like for multiple, multiple times. Um, and they uh, they basically came up together. They're both like really, really excel at a super similar style of wrestling. Um, so it's just like, yeah, what did you expect? But that these guys are going to have a great match. Oh, and it was Future Shock. Um, so it was just like, why were you going to open up with the, what's going to easily be the best opening round match of the tournament? Like, I kind of get wanting to get people's attention, but I just feel like you set people up for expecting something that you're not going to be able to repeatedly deliver after that. Um, and yeah, these guys are just both like really fucking fantastic in this style, Gallagher especially just because of the stuff that Dan was mentioning there. And it did kind of cross my mind watching his his style throughout here. Like, that, like, just, I mean, it's insane to think how good he was at this. And at this point, on any, like, major UK indies, they had not, he had, you know, he was doing kind of like a world of sport gentleman gimmick, doing, like, you know, Johnny Saint parlor trick bullshit instead of, like, showing that he could do this kind of stuff. I forgot to call out right before the finish. I didn't have my notes up, but I forgot the power bomb, which is maybe one of the coolest like spots in the show. Like it looks like he kills Jack. Um, and then he, yeah. then he punts like six feet away from him with a kick, but that's whatever. Uh, the power bomb was so cool. I don't really care that much about that. And that like led to the finish after that. Yeah. And this one matches that we also just like, it's something I like, and she says like a variety of body types because it just leads to a little bit more stylistic differences. Um, Zach, obviously, being just a big old fella, uh, not, maybe not in the way that Dave Mastiff is later, but he's a big dude. Jack Gallagher, definitely a little bit more. Hey, I don't have the size, but I've been training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu for the past. How many years? So I know a thing or two about dealing with someone that's a little bit bigger than me. And I like that we get to see that play out. And that's what I come to shoot style a lot for. It's like, okay, let's watch these two styles and two essentially action figures to that point archetypes build out a match. And for the most part, that's what we kind of get, like, including that power bomb. It's just like, okay, that's like, that is what the big guy should do. It's the one advantage he really has is his strength and ability to kind of crush the other other man. But Jack's just too skilled and has too many tricks he can pull out to, to snag a victory if need be, this time it being that jumping guillotine. I, I do wish we built to some of these finishes a little bit more. Uh, obviously, I know why you kind of have this suddenness, but... We're gonna get a lot of finishes that feel like we're we're snaking them out. Uh, this being just the first of of many here. But all right, are we ready to move on to the next match? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right, it's Tyler Bate versus Chris 
Brooks. Damn, we're, we're just going to keep moving. What's up? Well, now, you must have loved this one because you're talking about different body types. And in this match, I think Tyler Bates is four feet tall and Chris Brooks is seven. It's real good. So, I mean, it's yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Um, Chris, like, like he's just all kicks and and rangy punches and um i thought this was really fun too um he has he, he just keeps distance well and he's always uh i think this opens immediately with an imanari role maybe if I'm, maybe i'm confusing the match but just uh he's always going for the leg locks and uh which leads to the finish where he's going for a leg lock and just kills tyler bates by kicking him in the face from the bottom position and then he sinks in the submission so like i I think I like this even I mean if we're gonna get into it earlier. I think I like this better than the first match, honestly. Um Tyler Bay hit some sick uh German suplexes. Uh all around just both guys look really well and you know, made Chris look strong going into the next round. So Tim, you obviously did not like this match as much as the previous, given your stance on that one, but where are you at here? Uh, I mean, it's fair. It's a fair trade-off there for sure. I can definitely see where you're coming from saying you prefer this one, um, just because, yeah. Like again, and it's a good one-two punch opening up with these two matches to really show the the quality of what you're getting. So I d- I agree with a lot of what Dan said. I think one of the most like standout things, you know, and uh, and Sam, you mentioned it in the first match with Gall- with uh, Gibson and his his size and just how jacked he looks. It's like yeah, like even at this time he looks. He looks so big and put together and clearly like, okay, this guy's, you know, ready to be on the show. And it's interesting that it took so long um, for him to get there when people were talking about how great he was for so long. And now he is kind of there, I guess, but he's asked for his release and all that drama in there. And then you follow it up with this next match. um, And you mentioned about, you know, the size difference there. But Brooks, like, I forgot that Brooks was even more of a lanky, skinny dweeb back then compared to now. It's like now he's so he's filled out. He's got a chest. He's got chest hair. He's got, you know, he's built a little bit more. And it's like, oh, yeah, I forgot back then, back here. He just looked like a fucking scarecrow man. Um, And uh, it is it is nuts. But what Dan mentioned there is definitely like a big takeaway is just how good Chris Brooks was at this time. Um, I did pop back into some old podcasts because I was like looking to see, okay, let's hear some people's takes around this time, this and that. And it was funny because I found um, a British roundtable or whatever. I can't remember what it was, but they were talking about it and they were like, I don't know if Chris Brooks style fits into this setting. And I just found that so insane because even at this time, like this is what I loved about Chris Brooks. And I know I think that a lot of British fans at this time maybe kind of saw him in the Vulture Squad or oh God, I think it was Culture Vulture, whatever. His team with Nixon Newell that I can't remember the name of the of the team right off the top of my head. It was Vulture something. Um, and then like the hardcore stuff that he did in Fight Club Pro and stuff like that. And kind of we're not paying attention to like there's Grand Bear Promotions and WXW where he did a lot more technical wrestling. So I was all in on him in this expecting him to be this good. And that was one thing like from the beginning early on. Even way back here, he was just so good at using his entire body. He still is, but using that size difference, those long limbs, talking about making the distance, the sick, you know, the kind of heel hook Achilles lock with the kicks to the back of the head. It's just, it's perfect because the way he does it, he exaggerates everything. He makes it look big. You, his limbs look twice as long as they are. Like the, the whole octopus thing like works perfectly for him, um, even though he kind of like took the the name from Grisham. Um 
and you know Grisham kind of used the similar thing, but like he really embodied the octopus vibe so much better and always did. Um, and it's so cool that like of all the people that you look at on this show, like this guy is the you know the main champion of a big you know semi big Japanese company all these years later, um, and he's just so incredibly talented. Like it was it was bound to happen, and it's just it's interesting that we're talking about this now. Um, Tyler Bate, again, like the opposite. And you talked about it. It's not just the, the like striking size difference when you look at them, but you've got Brooks and he's got the kickers and the shooter shoes and the kind of MMA inspired shorts and the wrist sling. And you've got Bate in just black trunks and nothing else looking like a weird jacked up to- toddler in a diaper um, with a mustache. Like it's just it's the contrast is insane. Um and the difference there. And and I yeah, I could definitely see why Dan would say like this is the the best match for him. I and I wouldn't argue with anybody. But again, I just my issue is more front loading the tournament because it's like it's kind of downhill after these two. So question Oh, and I did want to when oh. sorry, when Sam was talking about the last match, he was talking about the finish and he said guillotine, and I wanted to transition into Tyler Bate because he was a teen, literally a teen while this was happening. <laughs> My goodness. I, you might know more than me, I'm assuming, Tim. Is Tyler Bate good still? Oh, I don't... I cannot say. The last okay. time I saw him, he looked absolutely washed and like he had just been doing too much cocaine for 15 years in Florida. Um, but uh, I don't know what he looks like now. Maybe at this moment he's good again. Because I have heard reports that he's having decent matches. You know what? I hope so. I hope so. There's no way to ever find out. No way to ever find out. The evidence can't be discovered. It's this is a really good match. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Again, like Dan kind of referenced, obviously I'm going to like this with Tyler looking like the small, strong man on the planet. Chris looking lanky as all get out. Slender man ask. Uh, He has the empty man. It's just real good. It's just real good. The suplexes that Bate hits on Brooks are just nasty. Um, there are some, there are some off-looking ones in this tournament. So seeing, but seeing Tyler kind of just nail those early and be like, okay, it is not going to be my technical prowess that beats this incredibly lanky individual who can come at me from all different angles with these limbs. Is going to be me being just absolutely brutish in comparison to him and him having no real answer to that except obviously stagging a limb, which eventually he does. So again, we got these two matches back to back. Oh, this is these are the styles make fights category of the tournament. And no, we really don't get to see this a lot throughout here and going into even the second round of finals like that. It, it doesn't have the same feeling. That's for sure. That's for sure. But all right. Do we have any other thoughts on Bate versus Brooks? I just wanted to say quickly on what uh, Tim was saying. I actually went and looked up how old Chris Brooks was, but I thought maybe he was like crazy young like Taylor Bates. He's not. I mean, he was like 24 at this time. Yeah. But he looks yeah. so much like he looks. I mean, it sounds rude, but he looks like a man now. And he, <laughs> and he doesn't totally look yeah, like it's- that. It weirdly doesn't make sense as like, you know, I'm getting into my 30s, Sam, getting into your 30s. And you're kind of like, yeah, I didn't like 
I didn't have that weird growth spurt from like, you know, late 20s into early 30s that Chris Brooks for some reason had. Yeah, I'm 35. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think you just got to start hooking up with like Karina Neko and, and Hyper Masao and then that's where you'll that's where it'll come in. So. Oh, man. Goodness gracious. Great balls of fire. Next up, a match I thought very little of in the context of. I well, there was very it. little of it. Exactly. I'm not sure if it was any good. Uh, Dan Maloney versus Chris Richway. It's real That's short. So I wrote down this might have sucked if it was longer. What a good description. I, that's that's fair because the next match I think was the example of that. So yeah, yeah, I'll give it to you. Because I kind of thought, like looking at it, I'm like, why couldn't they have given the next match a little bit less time and given this match a little bit more time? Um, but yeah, maybe I don't think that would have made. Maybe it. you're right, Dan functional difference in these two matches because this is like four minutes long and it's i was like oh they're gonna strike more in this match and the striking wasn't great it wasn't the worst in the world just wasn't great and then the finish was a ko finish that wasn't particularly inspiring and then it was over yeah Yeah, hitting a mean german for the finish was very much a choice after the last match and then following that up Terrible-looking forearms and punches. Yeah. And I would say, like, the the maybe the second-worst finish, knockout finish on the show. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, still not very good. And that was kind of the biggest problem with this. And I swear that was, like, Dan's kind of problem, or Dan, Sam's problem with the show at the time that I remembered was, like, yeah, that the knockouts and, like, the big men kind of kind of stunk up the joint. Not great. Not great. Yeah. Speaking of not great, not great. It's Trent Seven versus Dan Mastiff. A match that is not very good. Tim, do you want to start us off here? Sure, sure. Too long, as I said, uh, especially comparatively. You've had two, you opened up with two really good, yeah, styles make fights kind of situations. um, Setting up the, you know, the, the finals, really from from the beginning there and then another like whatever bite size this is whatever like and it it really stinks because ridgeway really is a guy who's like made for this setting but he was a fucking last minute replacement he has a better showing in a later tetsujin um but it was like oh he felt like an afterthought they threw him in they didn't even give him a very long fucking match and they have him lose to dan maloney who i like drilla maloney now i liked him you know the past couple of years in England, whatever. But like, yeah, at this point he was not that guy. Um, and then this, he followed it up with this and I get, I think I, re- I recall liking like, Oh, you know, they're, they're setting up and they're telling you they're kind of t- teaching people the, you know, what to expect. And that was a big part of this show. Like, and they promoted it that way. I was looking through the, the Wayback machine and that they kept, you know, referencing like, the first ever shoot style tournament in the UK and this and that. And it did feel like they were trying to take you through a story and show you like, Oh, how this is going to work and how the rules are, are going to work and, and how this is a different setting and moves that you might see in a different professional wrestling match are going to mean something different in this setting because it's shoot style, whatever. And, uh, 
and building to that so that you could get to massive mastiff and trent seven doing a couple big suplexes and that kind of being a bigger deal because of this and re-watching it now i was just absolutely like buying into the bullshit like really like this this fucking stunk the way that they did it was like again i think that you could have just you probably should have opened the show with this like thinking that like oh you need the rest of the setup so that the crowd will understand this like just fuck off like don't you don't need to hold the crowd's hand and teach the fans the lesson and then yeah this is this is the most bullshit knockout finish of them all because like i'm sorry but if the ref wants to do a 10 count wants to say that you can't attack a guy on the mat then i don't really see how mastiff wins because the ref repeatedly is getting him off of him they're not making clear what the rules are and if he was breaking basically breaking the rules by doing any kind of ground and pound he should have just been fucking disqualified it should have been a no contest the thing should have been thrown out so it's weird to do that and then have it be massive one by knockout you know and that's i think that's i mean obviously that's a miscommunication but whatever or not explaining the rules not holding standards and that can definitely be a thing where the people who are booking the show and putting the thing together are not in the business as I talked about, that they're, you know, podcast fans or whatever, and they're kind of letting the wrestlers do their own thing, and they're like, oh, this would be neat. And they're not, the wrestlers are really only thinking about their own match and thinking that it's going to look good and not thinking about kind of keeping it within the universe and the storyline and the rule set of the overall tournament and keeping the integrity. Because, yeah, that this finish was absolute fucking horseshit. Like, <laughs> if you're going to, if you're going to say you can't do ground and pound, then if he repeatedly keeps doing the ground and pound and the referee has to pull him off, then, then it, it's not fucking... You know what I mean? You would not allow that if it's a 10 count in a boxing match. If it's a 10 count like a boxing match, you would like the guy would be disqualified if he keeps punching the guy on the fucking ground. Right. In a boxing match, you can't keep punching a guy on the ground. So it's just it's ridiculous. It, yeah, the referee business is very silly. It definitely takes away from things. It's because, it's because oh, you're inconsistent. What matters? Well, it's the first tournament, so there's no. The rules haven't been firmly established. So this is kind of a match that makes it very difficult to figure out where the guardrails are for the promotions. Okay, where where are the lines crossed? What rules are actually in place? People have real trouble following shoot style as it is. So bringing in this element of referee and or wrestlers clearly not knowing what is and isn't meant to be portrayed in the style makes things difficult as a viewer. So you're like, okay, like, is this supposed to be something that I'm supposed to be buying into as a finish? Something I'm buying into as a potential DQ? Like, where are we in this match? But I think my favorite part about the match is Trent Seven going for the most dog shit single leg takedown to start this match looking absolutely <laughs> fucking washed. Um, like he had just smoked several packs of cigarettes before he in there. And he was like, I'm done coach. Take me out. I don't want to be here. And then the match goes 20 more minutes. Oh, it's it fucking like. amazing because he looks like an old washed up sack of shit here. And he still just got released from WWE and they like instantly throw him into a main event program in, in rev pro. Like, it's just, it's so fucking sad. Like, this guy, like, this is 
almost 10 years ago and he looked like this motherfucker does not belong in a wrestling ring and he's only older and shittier and they're just like oh yeah it's like you're a main eventer again whatever it's fine yeah it's not great it's not great he's in his 40s now that's wild <laughs> to me <laughs> i mean uh, dave mastiff looks to have way more win than him and it's and his oh, thing yeah. is he's like a big chubby dude like he's a big fat dude and i mean i agree with everything i was saying the, the finish is terrible and i don't think like i like the idea of a, a big you know fat heel in the shoot tile tournament but they don't really he doesn't really work like that in the match until the finish like they have that lame uh handshake so we break up the like we're both trying to heel hook each other so we just handshake and get up why is he not cheap shotting after the handshake like why is he not working like a heel during the match at all until the end, when there are no rules anymore, apparently, like you said, and now he's now he's a heel, I guess. I, I don't know. It, like you, Sam well, said, yeah. too, it felt like it was twenty minutes. Yeah, and like, yeah, you can do a slow play on the heel thing there if he goes, he wins the next match, and then goes into the final as the clear heel, and then that's when he's like, you know, he wins the next match, being a, even more. More heelish, and then you know, then he goes into the final, and he's a complete heel. But that's not what happens. You yeah, like I mean, a very yeah, tiny, like slight heelishness here. Yeah, but then you don't fucking follow that up in any way. Weird match. Weird match. Don't know why it's here. Feels like. And it's funny because the one of the. Oh, sorry. No, no, go for it. Go for it. No, as I say, one of the things that I do clearly remember, Sam, is that you did not like Mastiff in this setting. You thought that he didn't fit. And at the time, I kind of argued, like, oh, I think, you know, he's, he'll be fine in it, whatever. And I think he was, like, you know, he's fine, but this match was very bad. But but to what Dan mentioned there, like, yeah, the, the real thing is that you were right in that Mastiff's thing was being, like, a big fatso who could, like, do a running cannonball into the corner and, like, move around and, like do some high spots and shit and like, you know, kind of wrestle. He had the shitty little boots. He kind of wrestled like, you know, a chubby Roderick strong sometimes, you know, like, th like that was kind of his thing. Um, and, and yeah, like the shoot style setting, you're, you're really going against what he normally does. So even Dan saying like, Oh, he looked like he had more win than Trent seven. It's like, yeah, like that was, that was his whole fucking gimmick. And you really barely even noticed it in this match. Yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily Dave, Mastiff does get kind of uh, a do-over here against maybe, like, an actual opponent um, instead of the carcass of one. Any other closing thoughts here, folks? Dan, in particular, I know you didn't get a no, lot. No, just, it is really, like you said, like, front-loaded the show. Like, these two matches slowed the show down to, like, a screeching halt. Like, we had two real bangers to start with. And it's like, oh, all right, all right, Tetsujin. And then these two matches, and I'm like, okay, Tetsujin. What would have been better to do? Swap these two matches with the last two matches? Uh, or maybe even, like, bookend, like, put yeah. one of the, like, yeah, like, bookend these two slower matches with the two exciting ones. But I also don't know why you're giving this match almost 12 minutes. Like, why are you looking at yeah. the first round and going, this is the one that needs 12 minutes? Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I think that, if that's got to be Trent Seven politicking, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Trent Seven's losing. He's got it. That had to be a Trent Seven. Well, if I'm going to lose, it's I'm it's going to take a while kind of thing. 
If I'm going to lose, make sure I look shitty for a long time. Yes. Make, make sure I look like absolute dog shit. I mean, if we're just talking about, like, everything staying status quo, uh, booking-wise, how to re like reshuffle it to make it make more sense? Because if you really ask me, like, I would, there was a, a noticeable lot of things I would change about the booking. The, the Kind of the biggest one, even with me being a big Chris Brooks fan, would be, like, the first match, the Gibson versus Gallagher match, I would have made that the final. Um, but, like, if we're just talking about everything's going to stay as it is and we're going to move things around, yeah, I think I would... I think I would actually open with Mastiff and Seven just to, like, show people, like, um, how tough this style is. These guys that you see all the time who do a bunch of cool big man stuff, like, in this setting, it's, like, it's going to be hard for them and they're going to look like dog shit and then get into, like, the, you know, the good wrestling. And I think that that would just, like, be more impressive for people. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. All right. Here we go. It's the semifinals. First up, Chris Brooks versus Dan Maloney. Dan, kick us off. Uh, this was short, but, but fun, too. Um, it had a strike exchange, like Maloney's first match with Ridgeway, but it was much better. And they did this cool thing where Maloney like fakes being knocked down so he can get behind Brooks and hit a German suplex. Um, I mean, it's it's four minutes, so it's not much. But I mean, Maloney looked much better here, and Chris Brooks kept looking good. And uh, he goes for a bunch of rolling, a couple of rolling submissions, and I, mean, I thought it was fun. I mean, it it felt like a breeze after watching the last match. So, like I thought maybe that was by design to get us back into like finishes can happen quick. Um. But yeah, I think he wins with a jumping heel hook or something, some kind of ankle submission. Yeah, it's a roll. It looks like a rolling lay lock, and then stomps on Maloney's back to. Oh, that is cool. Him kicking the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Just a classic move, Dan. Just a classic stop while you're submitting a guy. Um. Yeah, I kind of walked away from this with with a very whatever attitude towards it all. I didn't get really. I didn't get a lot of it. This felt kind of there. I like Chris Brooks. He's fun to watch always in this setting, but it's short and Maloney's replacement level sort of talent to me at this point in the tournament. Um, kind of gets, I don't know if there's zero faith in this man, if he sucks or what, but he really gets kind of a couple of short ones in here in a tournament with, you know, at least a, usually a little meat on the bones. Yeah, not exactly my type of type of semifinal here. Tim, you got anything? Yeah, I mean, kind of. It's interesting because it did feel like it felt like Brooks kind of devolved in some ways um, from the first match to this match, where it would have made more sense to have switched to these. I think um, just because you know we mentioned it. I got to give credit to Dan because he said it first, but that that Brooks did such a good job of defending the smaller, more powerful guy with his range. Um, and then in this match, it just felt like from the jump, he just was not doing a good job of keeping that distance the same way. Um, so yeah, I just think it would have made more sense if you had done those in reverse. Like the first match, he's not doing a good job, and then he learns his lesson in the second match, he, he does a better job of it. So it's just kind of confusing that way. I guess it really felt like a lot of it was trying to make Maloney look good like it was it was trying to make Maloney look like he could 
he could stand toe to toe with him. And that's another one where I think it would have made more sense to have switched the two because Tyler Bate should have been the one who got a lot more and looked better coming out of it. And, you know, whatever. Um, that said, I mean, yeah, like I think the takeaway is, is Brooks. This is like I think why I was really high on this show at the time and still, you know, enjoyed it for the most part for a couple of you know, good matches um, was just Gallagher and Brooks. Like both guys are, are really fucking talented and it's good to see them in a setting like this. You don't, you're not really going to see, I mean, you're not going to see Gallagher at all anymore, but you don't really <laughs> see Brooks doing this kind of wrestling anymore. And it, it kind of stinks because at least before you would get like some of these matches when he was still in the UK, even when he was doing mostly CCK tag stuff or hardcore bullshit, like, Every now and then he would mix it up with someone and, and give you like a, a wrestling match. And it's just it's I mean, you know, I'm invested in the guy. Like I, I posted a picture of the shirt on the day that he won the DDT title that like, you know, I I wore to PWG and, and Pete Dunn was like shocked that someone in Los Angeles, California had a Chris Brooks shirt. Right. Um, and this was like before anybody knew who any of these people were, really. Um so I, I keep following him. I still watch like the stuff that he's doing on his own like produce show in Japan, the Bakagaijin show, right? And like there is still some flashes there. Like him and Abe, Fuminori Abe, have had like interactions, you know? And it's just like in that setting, they're goofing around and they're wrestling in a fucking bar with a giant, you know, death worm or whatever. Um but you could still see flashes of just how good they are. And it's just, I wish that's like a, that's like a dream match for me. That's like two of my favorite all time favorite guys, like at least currently two of my favorite current guys, whatever. Like I just wish that they would have like a serious shoot style wrestling match, you know? Um, but yeah, like Brooks looks good here. Maloney again, replacement level, as I think Sam mentioned quick match, whatever. I probably talked longer than they wrestled. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were about to say that there's a Chris Brooks Abe match, singles match. I was like pulling up. I wish. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I absolutely, I really wish. No, there's like very fleeting. Like they just happen to interact with each other. It would, yeah, that would be, that would be a dream match if those two wrestled each other in like a serious wrestling match. One day, like bound to happen. There's enough crossover in the wrestling world in their circles yeah i mean they've had tag matches they you know they, they've had tag matches they're in circles with each other they i mean abe is doing his goofy you know bar show matches like they'll maybe eventually wrestle each other it's not off the table not off the table moving on it is time to talk about jack gallagher versus dave mastiff tim do you want to take it away Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, you mentioned it kind of that this was Gallagher, or not Gallagher, Mastiff's chance to have like a redo and show that he can do something. And he was pretty good here as like the big, you know, mountain for Gallagher to climb. And Gallagher was really good at being, you know, smaller, craftier, talented, kind of working, basically riding Massive around like he's some kind of jungle gym at times looking for holds, moving around, and Mastiff is just, you know, again, this big, big force for him to deal with. And when Mastiff could get his hands on him and knock him on his ass, he'd, like, absolutely just put him down. They did. And this is why, like, this match worked 
for having the standing 10 count. And it's why they shouldn't have fucked with it throughout the rest of the, the tournament so that, like, you made it just absolutely goofy to, to have Mastiff standing there waiting for the 10 counts over and over again. And I guess you could say, like, you set it up by having the finish of the other match where where it was almost like Massive didn't realize there was a standing 10 count and the referees admonished him for it or whatever. And he did gesture at the end. He gestures at his ear like, oh, I couldn't hear you. You know, but like, yeah, like, why after he proved in his first match that if the guy's knocked down, if he just fucking gets on him and keeps pounding, that they'll, they'll let him win the match. Like, why does he st- stand here and let them do so many 10 counts? If you had built this drama up, this would make sense and it would be really good. And it is. It's solid. But it's just another one where it's like, God, you guys really fucked up like basic storytelling by just missing that one part. Um, that said, yeah, I mean, Gallagher underneath getting the shit kicked out of him um, was really good. Selling repeatedly over and over again. And then finally, again, like using the technique, being able to valiantly keep fighting. You get the, you know, the legitimate rampage bomb um, after you would think that Gallagher has just been he's been repeatedly knocked down over and over again he's can't have much left in the tank and you get yeah like i said the the actual the you know the namesake of the move um done and uh and he just valiantly refuses to die and just locks in the triangle even deeper off of the the rampage bomb and gets the win and i thought that that was done super well and it sets up gallagher as this Valiant underdog babyface that you want to cheer for, but you also get the fact that this is twice as long as Chris Brooks' semifinal match, and it was a much more physically intense and demanding match. So that sets up into the final that you would think, you would think that you would set up into the final that Gallagher is at a major disadvantage because of what he's been through. His path was so much more difficult. In the opening round, he's taking on a guy that knows him, you know, inside and out like a book and has to basically do everything he can to get through him. Then he's going up against the biggest guy in the tournament who knocks him on his ass repeatedly over and over again, but he has to overcome by con- by continuing to fight. So, you know, I wish that they had paid off that setup a little bit better because, you know, the final does not feel like it really does play off of that as much as it could have. But uh, either way, like, this was really, really solid. Um, I guess moving on, Sam, I don't know who you want to talk about this next. I'll give it a little bit here. So aesthetically, this match is eerily similar to the Mortal Kombat movie where it's Goro versus Johnny Cage's friend and I cannot shake it. I just wish Mastiff could have chopped Jack Gallagher down like Goro chopped his opposition. Um, There is a throw here that Mastiff hits right off the bat that had me jump out of my my seat. And I was like, oh man, we're going to get into it. This is going to be a a barn burner. It is not quite that. I think it's a little bit too slow after that point. I think I kind of, I'm with you there though. It kind of builds Gallagher up as the underdog or he's really faced the two more mountainous men in this tournament thus far. Uh, as far as, as a weight goes, probably the two heaviest individuals we got going here. And I'm not saying he's the lightest individual, but he's t- he's Bob too. He's Bob too. 
Um, and yeah, I, I think that's just like this, his story. Oh, bet. And the finish is, I think it's all right. I think it's all right. I think I've seen enough in it. In 2015, maybe this was fresher. I'm going to say probably not because of Pride dying over a decade previous. But seeing the powerbomb in the triangle and the triangle being held and Mastiff passing out, it's just like, okay, well, a little cliche, a little cliche. But it is what it is. I think it's a fine match. I don't think it's anything I'm going to say, hey, Go watch Gallagher versus Mastiff. Have yourself a ball. But we kind of keep moving and kind of build Jack Gallagher's status going into the finals against someone who's not super heavy, just someone that's super lanky. Um, but Dan, what do you got to say here? Uh, I mean, I echo a lot of your guys' thoughts, except I think that I'm leaning more towards Tim, where the finish didn't work for me because of the first round where I'm like, well, you should be hitting him now. Like, it's very obvious. That worked. You should be the heel hitting him while the 10 count's going on because that's a thing that's okay. And then it just, ne- despite what I thought was good performances by both of them, I never felt like I was buying any of the finishes from Mastiff. Like, I was just like, we're waiting for, we're waiting for the, for Jack to grab a submission somewhere. And then he does. And, I think because of my frustration with the earlier massive match, maybe I would like this match like, you know, in a vacuum better. Um, because like if I describe, like just describe what happens to this match, it sounds like a match I'd be interested in, but it just never really clicked for me. Not that I hated it, just that I had enough problems with it that I couldn't go to the next level. That's fair. That's fair. Any other thoughts before we kind of move into the finals here? All right, get into it. It is the finals. It is Chris Brooks versus Jack Gallagher. Dan, how are we feeling? Um, I really liked it. I mean, I think it's the two best guys in the show. So I know we were fancy booking earlier, and I could see arguments for different for different finals. Um, I like the idea where if Mastiff is a more consistent heel and the rules are more consistent, him being you know Jack's final boss to beat. But I think. Sometimes you can't go about wrong by looking at who are the two best wrestlers in the show, put them in the main event. Um, I think all the scrambles and all the, uh, you know, the submission trading, I think it all really works. Um, again, I wish Chris would go back to more of what he did in the first round, like keeping his distance, but he, do- he doesn't do it as much as you would want. Um, oh, I got to mention, Jack looks real cool in a black E. Um <laughs> It looks real cool. It's fancy looking. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just as a, I don't, I think as a match, it works. It doesn't, it doesn't work to me as a finals. If that makes sense where it's just, it doesn't feel like we're carrying along any stories. Like doesn't feel like Jack's coming in here worse for the wear when he probably should be. Um, and I also have a problem with the whole tournament. I didn't mention yet. Chris Brooks is too tall and the ring is too small that I feel like he can always reach the ropes. I don't like when he doesn't. Yeah, which was, which I don't know what you do about that. was a mainstay of. That was a mainstay of his career on the UK Indies. Like it doesn't happen as much in Japan because the rings are usually slightly bigger. But like a major thing that would always happen when he was on the UK Indies was yeah, like there is not. You feel like this guy could reach like from one corner to the other corner. Like 
diagonal across the ring at all times just because of how long he is to where like there's never a point where it made sense for him to ever be in danger of a submission like ever just because of how like like, he's always been with like a flying arm bar that he taps immediately to because if he doesn't tap immediately you're gonna look and see oh that man is very close to being able to grab a rope like why doesn't he just grab the ropes he's right there so it's the last and he shows no, no, I was going to say, and he repeatedly shows how good he is at getting to the ropes. You yeah. know, he never, like, throughout matches, he's always getting to the ropes. So, yeah, it just makes it that much more obvious when he's, you know, has to pretend like he can't. Yeah, exactly. And I just feel like I sound more down in the last two matches than I were. These are worlds better than the second two first-round matches. Um, it just didn't reach the high that I was I was hoping for when I saw... You know, that these were, this was the final. I was really excited for it. These were my two favorite guys on the show. And it didn't ever hit that next level. And it didn't feel like it capped off any story except that, like, I think maybe introducing Jack to the world, like, saying, like, here he is. This is, like, almost like a showcase show for him, I guess. That's the only real story I see through the tournament. I can get that. I can get that. Uh, Tim, do you have any kind of clo- closing thoughts for our finals here? Yeah, I mean, the stuff Dan said there, I have so many thoughts, but like, yeah, this, what you said there, Dan, about this being like a showcase for Gallagher is a good point because, like, I think I, I think I looked it up, but at this point, I don't know that he had even debuted in progress yet. Um, and that was kind of the, it wasn't the biggest, but it was definitely like the, the most prestigious wrestling company in the uk okay yeah he had he had debuted but like very minimal just like kind of here and there hadn't done a ton and did not really stand out right um really kind of his standout where he finally like kind of broke out um there was like a couple months after this where people actually started like perceiving him as something so yeah this was definitely part of building that like this guy has something to him kind of vibe um and and that really felt like th- that was it. But that's why, like, we talk about, oh, fantasy booking. Not, you know, that's, I feel like the term fantasy booking gets such a negative rep. Um, no, yeah, like, I'm going to do my uh, my senior, or not my senior, my uh, my doctoral, you know, argument on fantasy, on the merits of fantasy booking. My point is more like, when we're talking about this and we're doing a review and we're, like, kind of critiquing things, I feel like people will do like we'll call that fantasy booking, but that's not what it is. I'm like I'm just like pointing out like what would what would have worked better. Um, and this match, if we go either way, if we go with, you know, these are both my these were both my uh, my things that I threw out. But Dan seemed to grasp onto the Mastiff and the final thing, which I do think would be better. Um, but if or if we went with Gibson and Gallagher as the final, this match feels like it was meant to. This was treated like it was just like a showcase of two of the best wrestlers in the tournament. So, like, you almost could have done this as the opening round first match. And it would have made more sense. Because these guys came out here, and the whole point was they wanted to show off how good they were. That they're both really good at this kind of grappling. And they're both really good at this style. And they did. And they're, when we talk about it, like, size, the size differences throughout the tournament, the style differences throughout the tournament, and how those made a difference, these guys are probably pretty close to being in the same weight class. Like, you know, Brooks is heavier, but you could probably get these guys to being in the same weight class um, to where this would be 
almost like a legitimate, you know, this could be a legitimate MMA fight in some situation, as opposed to a lot of other things that look like, you know, kind of freak show, whatever. Um, so if you had done this as the, the first round, the first match, like you could have really impressed the crowd with like, check out these, you know, snazzy wrestlers and how good they are at this stuff and really hooked people in. Um, it might have been even worse of just exposing that the rest of the show was was, you know, not as good. But I think that's something that would have made more sense because Gallagher really did not want to come out here and and, you know, tell the story of of how he got here and the road that took him to get here. He really wanted to just show off how good he was. And Brooks was the same way. Like neither one of them like sold a ton of where throughout the tournament which i think is like a cardinal sin when it comes to tournament wrestling and i think you know i'm talking to the talking tourney boys i think you guys would probably agree like one of the worst things you can do in a tournament setting is to go into the finals and not sell the whole fucking tournament that's the goddamn point the whole point of a tournament is that it's a tournament and that by the end of it you've been through something and they just like really did not do that um there's a sick dragon leg you know, whip in the middle that felt like that was like where they wanted to tell the story of the injury and the leg. And then it was that, but it was like, you had a story to tell. You did not need to make up, you know, a story in the middle of the match. You already had the story to tell from the rest of the tournament. That's the point. It just, it's going uphill. That's it. I mean, this is still very solid and I'd probably put it as like the number three best match of the tournament. Um, But, uh, but yeah, there's just, there's a lot of weaknesses there that I feel like were just, they were not even like, they're not even it's like oh god i can't think of the word because i'm not like a sports person but it's like the uh the like when basically you like you did it to yourself um self-inflicted you know kind of wounds is what they did here because the match itself and the wrestling was fine but you just like you just really did not go with like the story and and what was in front of you to make this work better yeah i think we've said no couple times but this match seems to exist outside of the tournament in some ways it just feels like okay this is another match in this style irrespective of what's happened prior to this match um gallagher if he wanted to have this match i think if both individuals want to have this match for the finals they definitely need to look a little bit more dominant on their way here because this is supposed to be the two essential masters of the craft in comparison to the other folks in this field. And Gallagher's been playing sort of the underdog who's skilled, but maybe not otherworldly skilled to that degree. And Brooks and a, and a bit similarly in that regard. Um, I would have liked to have seen them sort of, build themselves up as the clear 1A, 1B talents here. Like, they they definitely are the, the most talented individuals, but the tournament doesn't play out like they are uber talented in the style. Um, so it just ends up being like, hey, here's a good match to end the show on. And that's not bad. I don't hate that. That's, I'll, I'll take that over, <laughs> over a bad match. But it doesn't really feel like we've culminated this tournament in any real meaningful way. So, yeah, I don't have a lot more to add. I think you've you've kind of covered it here. 
But is there any kind of other remarks you want to hit on for Brooks and Gallagher? Ah, not for, uh, I guess not for this match. I could probably keep talking about it, but I probably shouldn't. Well, how about we transition to some more like, uh, go to our worker of the tournament and then kind of go into our, our rating to give a little bit more holistic, holistic view of where we're ending here. So that sounds good. Did either of you check out the, the super fight? I did I, not. I, I, you did. You did. Yeah. I'm assuming Tim, um, you did. I, I did. I watched it at the time and I watched it again uh, now, but I just I figured, you know, Damn. put a button on it. I know me and Dan usually watch it and I know that, that Sam not doesn't necessarily. I don't want me tainted. I refuse. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Dan and Tim, feel free to kind of talk I about don't, Walter versus What's Tommy. funny is I don't know if it would change too much of your thoughts on the show as a whole because yeah. it kind of almost feels like the Tetsujin of a Walter uh tommy in match if that makes sense like i don't know there just wasn't like yes. everything looked good but there wasn't a lot of there 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 wasn't a lot of meat on the bones where like it's walter everything looked fantastic i enjoyed the 10 minutes but it's i would never recommend anyone to watch it it doesn't you know it's it's a, and like even i was gonna say this i hate to say this i don't think i'd ever say this his power bomb is not the best power bomb in the show which is crazy to me so that is uh brave i'll give you that that's a brave thing to say but it's also true so i i I have to respect you uh for saying it i would say probably their worst match if i really am think i'm trying to think because i know that these guys have had solid matches they've had honestly their best interactions with each other is probably actually a tag team match um but uh, but this was yeah I would definitely say they didn't have a ton of singles matches actually, um, but yeah this is their their worst singles match, um, and I would almost say that their best match was Sumerian Death Squad versus Outsiders because I remember that being actually good, um, but uh, yeah I mean what you said made sense but I did really really love the finish. Uh, and it was like the right way to do it. And it kind of did play off of other stuff that we talked about, especially um, like the Mastiff, the Mastiff stuff with Seven and with Gallagher, because like Walter was looking for this to be like ambition rules. So when he put Tommy in down, he was looking to rush in for the ground and pound. But because Walter is, um, you know, actually one of the greatest wrestlers who've ever lived, he didn't just like jump on him and start beating the fuck out of him. He actually played off of the rules of the, you know, in the setting. And uh, he let the referee stop him and he tried to go through the referee and he fucking like basically kind of hip tosses the referee. which And then like is acting like, what the hell? Like, you know, is the match over or not? Um and that was like just the perfect way to do this. Like, if you want to play, makes it so the ref can't like, see it. Like, it was it was perfect placement. I was like, that right. makes sense. The ref can't see yeah. what's happening. Yeah, he did it like perfectly. If you want to play the whole thing off, it's like this is how you do it. And that that's again, it's why you know Walter's one of the greatest wrestlers who've ever lived, and Dave Mastiff is a substitute teacher. Um, you know, that's just. I mean, I hate to say that because I was I was I was a fan of Dave Mastiff, but it's just it's true. You know. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, I'm sorry, Sam, if you want to get into the, uh, you know, the ratings and all that other stuff. All the other stuff. 
All right, let's get into our match of the tournament. Dan, I'll let you. I went with Tyler Bate versus Chris Brooks. Um, it was between it was it was the, one of the first two matches. It was either you know the opener or that match yeah. for me, um, pretty clearly. And I just I thought that Chris Brooks looked really so good in this match and. And the size difference was so fun. And I think this was probably of Chris's three matches was his strongest showing of the three. Um, so, yeah, I, I, this one edged over the opener for me. Tim, you're, you're a Gallagher versus Gibson man. Yeah, I'll go with the, uh, the opening match. But I'm, I'm right there with Dan that it's kind of a almost a toss up, you know, um, between the two first round matches. But for me... Gallagher and Gibson, I mean, it sucks. It would be nice if we just got more Gibson in this tournament because of how good he re- how good he really is. But but uh, those two are just they're perfect together. I mean, they really know each other so well. Yeah, I, I'm in the Bate versus Brooks camp for match of the tournament. I think really you got to go with one of the first two matches just because it's before the tournament itself gets into full swing. It's like, okay, there are expectations that are a slightly different when it's going to the semifinals and finals. That can be a benefit in a lot of cases, but in this tournament did not end up being that case. So it's just like, okay, what are some like fresh, juicy matchups? And these just feel both really good in that regard. Um, so, yeah, let's, uh, it's let's- true. If Gallagher versus, uh, Brooks was an opening round match, I would rate it much higher. You're right. like, I get what you're saying with that. They're, they don't have, I'm looking for more implications and more long-term storytelling, at least from the tournament when I see a finals. Yeah. Those matches theoretically should have a lot going for them in that regard. It's like, Oh, the finals have so much more they can lean into. But if you decide not to, it's just, it has to be a negative, at least in the context of this show. All right. Wrestler of the tournament. I have our man Chris Brooks, the lanky gentleman, just had himself a show. I think his performances in each match throughout the tournament were the strong. They were typically the better performances. I think he just looked super good. And I think there's only really only two. You know what? Tim might beat me here. So, Tim, who who do you have here? What? Oh, you said I'm going to beat you? I mean, I could definitely see where you're coming from um, with Brooks, for sure. And, like, yeah, it's definitely a toss-up. But in a situation like that where it's kind of a coin flip and it comes really close, to me, you got to go with the more gentlemanly of the two and the guy who's got, you know, the better track record and morals. Um for me, it's Jack Gallagher just because because he wore a gi. Um, that's a big part of it. And because he wore two different gis, he, he changed up his, uh, his you know, his gear for the fun. No, I mean, that's part of it, if we're being perfectly honest, the presentation. Um, but it's also like some of the shit he did is so slick and really, I mean, a phenomenal example of how to do a hybrid of like jujitsu and professional wrestling like i i always really love that but he i mean gallagher it's such a fucking bummer that he not only was a complete piece of shit but like he very rarely showed this off 
because if he just took the this kind of work that he was doing here and did it more, he would have been. I mean, he would have been one of the best wrestlers people would see. Like when you compare him to you know the other like you know jujitsu jackoffs, the Davy Richards, you know Kyle O'Reilly, and then even like the grapple fuck guys, like. He was so fucking good at this style. He would he could have been great at it if he had just like done it more. But he, you know, obviously didn't. This is like one of your rare examples of him showing off this stuff. And then everything else, he would do like so much more of the bullshit Gaga. Like it was just he would definitely be serious sometimes and wrestle and stuff. And he was very good. But just wish he did more of this. Yeah, it's very it's deeply unfair that where they just his career ended the way it did and that we don't even get to enjoy what was left of that footage that existed beforehand it's like okay piece of shit at least give us what you were good at um that would have been nice that would have been nice um i i do think the tournament gear switch up is a thing is points that i didn't consider and I want to flip my answer, but at the same time, it's like, oh, that is a nice one. That is a nice one for our upstanding gentleman of the tournament award. Um, Dan, did you say who you're at? I am not. I'm going Jack as well, Gentleman Jack. And I actually thought that Tim was making fun of me with the Gee Talk in the beginning (laughs) because I love it. (laughs) And it actually points in his favor in my book. Um, I mean, yes and no. I mean, my the, my point was like that I'm a fucking idiot who just like is giving a guy the win because of his gear. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like the where I talk about like Dean Malenko, Lance Storm, the like your gimmick is good wrestler, you know, but you're not necessarily a good wrestler. It's like if you wear a gi, then obviously you're a better shooter. You know, like it's kind of that was kind of the joke I was making. It was not on you. It was on me. Well, I agree. And it, it was real tough. And. I think that I like I like Chris Brooks first round match better than Jack's first round match, but it's so close. And I think I just like Jack's performances the rest of the show slightly more. Um, I did think about making it Chris Brooks just because of the, I guess in sports term the off the field issues. But if I start doing that, you know, it's just wrestling's too gross. Too many guys would have to be changed from their awards. So I think it's by design. Jack Gallagher is the worker of the tournament which is what feels like what the point of the tournament is to put him over and put him over and he looked good by doing it so that's who i went with all right i think this is where we can get a little bit more into the nitty-gritty the broader context here of this bad boy let's get into ratings dan what do you rate this tournament i gave it a 2.75 my justification is last episode if you recall I gave WXW Ambition 11 a 2.83 because it just it's just not quite a 3, but it's better than 2.75. And I think that tournament is better than this. I mean, similar shoot style. I think it's better than this. I think that the first two matches and the last match are really good, but there's a big chunk in the middle there that is just slows it down, and you just don't have any of the tournament through lines that I look for that, like we talked about, should make booking this show easy, should make laying out the matches easier. Like, it's a final. Like, what have these guys been through? Like, who who we want to be the conquering hero? Like, it should be easier to put these in there, but this show just didn't really do that. It felt almost like just a collection of matches. Yeah. I mean, but it's also an hour and 20 minutes, I think. 
and that's that's bonus yeah. points in my book. That is good. That is good. Uh, I think I'm at a 2.5. I think there are some good matches here. It's a, it's pretty breezy. I am obviously not as high as I was in 2016 when I was hitting Twitter telling everyone, go watch this. It's a must-see TV. It is not. It is not. And I don't trust the Sakuna Keita boys anymore on this tournament as well. They were very high on this whole thing. I, yeah, chunks of this I enjoy, but other chunks I'm like, I don't know how we got here. What are we doing? Please leave me alone. Um, I think the worst thing I can say is this mat- This tournament is a, feels like a collection of matches at times, or at the very least, it's a collection of, it's a, it's a tournament up until the finals, and then it's just another match. Uh, and that, that was kind of damning. Uh, Gallagher has a very clear story he has paved out here against the two biggest men of the tournament. Brooks a little less so, but I think he's got something in, in that same vein of like, okay, he's dispatched the young bruiser and he gets put against another bruiser and takes care of him. No, we're talking about him devolving a little bit, but he takes care of him quicker this time around in a little bit with a little bit more violence. Uh, and that just none of that carries to the finals, which is the real bummer here, even if I think that match is, is good. Um, Tim, close us out with your rating. I got it. I really hate this because I was I was trying to think, like, how can I not? give the same rating as Dan because I don't want to feel like I'm copying um, and we already agreed on the same you know the wrestler of the night um, so that just seems you know wrong but then fucking Sam swoops in and basically hits the rating I would hit so now I gotta pick who I'm gonna go with and I do think 2.5 feels right because this is a this is a collection of exhibition matches in a style of wrestling that I like usually but I like it when it's you know the the rules are set they're rigorous when the the presentation is you know is solid and it continues to make sense all the way through and everything's delivered and when you look at it just as that just as a group of exhibition matches that don't have any you know weight on each other and are not related it's it's there's some good stuff there there's some really good stuff there but again when you look at it in the context of being a tournament it's really really falls flat on its face when it comes to the whole fucking point of a tournament and that's why something like you know czw banned my ass um delivers in the tournament concept because they actually tell a story and it's why i've always said like a deathmatch tournament makes sense you know strongest survivor like those things work and these guys just did not they really fucking missed the assignment they did not understand what they were going for and when you have a tournament setting that's the whole point it's a tournament and that's like anyways i've said it a thousand times everyone knows my feeling about tournaments you know (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I I get where you're coming from. I think I think we're all kind of in the same boat, hence why we're all sort of floating around the same rating. 
and we're kind of arriving at the same conclusion, more or less. I, I also like making Dan be the high man here. Yeah. Me and Sam, we, we shanghaied this kid. <laughs> we tricked him into buying the show 10 years ago, and we made him have a higher rating on it. Well, I was going to say, I think part of the high rating today is it's free on YouTube, and it's literally like less, less than an hour and a half, I'm pretty sure. So if you're at all interested in it, I think that those are both pluses. And if you want to watch these guys, you get to watch them. But it doesn't fulfill the excitement of the tournament. And CZW Ban My Ass also has arguably a much more problematic worker of the tournament. So that's exciting. Oh, I I, I can't remember. Who is that? Uh, MAGA Butcher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although they're both kind of um, canceled for the same reason, which is because they both just like tell you that they're a piece of shit. So, oh. I said argue because there's 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 no winner of that tournament. Whoever you want to say is worse. <laughs> yeah, for oh, sure, man. for sure. We've we've really reviewed some great stuff here on Talking Tourneys. Can't disagree with that fact. And this show is on the not yet award winning We Don't Know Wrestling Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter at WDKWP and on t- oh X. X. Um, Sam, before you close this out, can I absolutely date this show? Yes. Because I know you guys don't like doing this. We are recording on the day that we found out the news of the passing of probably the greatest wrestler of all time, the second <laughs> greatest wrestler of all time, Terry Funk. Um, I wish I still had my GWE ballot because I can't remember if I had him number two or number three before, but like out of all the people probably in the top three, he's the one who's not going to move, you know, like, and I think he was number two, but it's like, if I, when I do the ballot again, he'll be number two again. So it's just like, it's going to be a different number one, which is funny, but he'll still be number two. Yeah. Terry Funk, you know, just got to the RIP to one of the greatest of all time. I mean, I could I not let us uh, skip by that. I was going to plug, okay. I retweeted uh, Dylan and uh, Chris Zellner's, greatest wrestler ever podcast where they talk about terry funk um i haven't listened to it re-listened to it yet but i'm definitely going to tonight or tomorrow and yeah he's one of the best ever i was gonna i was gonna mention whether it dates the show or not just because you know it's he seems like and talking about problematic he seems like for a wrestler one of the more genuine people i met him at an aiw show it was super nice um I also drunkenly yelled at the boogeyman that terry funk took his picture with free <laughs> i'm not going to give him twenty dollars Fair. When, so Boogeyman was at a bar in town for a comic con and he, I was like, Can I get a picture? And he's like, Twenty bucks. And I was like, Hell no. Terry Funk was a world champion. Yeah. He gave you a picture for free. Oh one of the greatest of all time. He, he's truly one of the like if you want to tell me he is the single best wrestler ever, I will not fight you. And he is I think we've seen the sentiment on line at this point, but there are only a handful of correct answers to that question. He is one of them and in, in the history yeah. of professional wrestling. And that is a testament to him and died at, now at the age of 79. He had such a long career and for so long he was going just around the country and 
showing himself as the professional wrestler and still having it more or less uh, until he could no longer travel. Uh, he was always Terry Funk. And so few people, I haven't seen a single bad word about the man. Uh, obviously, we don't know everything, but as far as like dancing, as far as wrestlers go, like you've made it this far without really having a bad word said about you that says a thing or two. Um, so I think, yeah, it's obviously going to be incredibly missed. And it's just very, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel real. Um, but that's, that's how it is right now. Yeah. I kind of want to echo what Tim said too, about, I can't imagine his placement changing. Like, so many wrestlers you revisit and they go up or down on your in your viewing where Terry Funk is Terry Funk. Like, it doesn't matter which era of Terry Funk I watch, when I watch it, he's just still amazing. Well, Sam said it there, and like, you know, you said he never he never lost it. And the reason why he can't, could, ne- could never lose it is because what it was was just being Terry Funk. And he he got that so early and a lot of wrestlers, it takes, you know, being second generation, I think actually, I think technically him and Dory are third generation, but I don't remember off the top of my head. But definitely being second generation helps in this regard. But, like, once you figure out who you are and you know, like, you can never lose that. Because it didn't matter. It really did not matter what he did. Because he was always Terry Funk. And he was always so fucking great at being Terry Funk that he could do... The fucking Watutsi. He could wander around the fucking arena just shouting double moonsault at anyone that would listen. And it didn't fucking matter. He was still, he was Terry Funk and it was great. It was always great because he knew who he was and he was phenomenal at being Terry Funk. And that's like, that's, that's the real, you know, answer there. It's how you don't ever lose it is the, it's just you. You can't lose just being you. And he knew who he was and he, and he fucking did it. Um, yeah, there was something else there, but I forgot. So we'll I, just, I gotta uh, say, to this longevity is the fact that yeah. like a lot of the footage we have comes in the '80s, like where he's already mid 30s, where he has been doing this for a while, and he's kind of fully formed, and we see him his body kind of give a little bit more of the times, but him as a personality and as a character never does. Uh, and he still has enough of those the tools and understanding of the game to to make things last longer than they really should. They really should, especially with how he's wrestled for so for so long. Um, but yeah, obviously, rest in peace to the greatest American wrestler that ever lived. Um, um, I think we will at some point. I can't imagine we won't do King of the Death Match. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. I got to talk about the insane clown posse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dan, where can we buy a house? Uh, Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia. You can send me a DM on X, Dan underscore Rice 88. Also, I'm really good with technology. Go to Talking Tourneys on TikTok. I'm posting some clips on there. I'm really taking it by storm. You haven't posted in like a week, Dan. What's going on? Listen, you haven't posted to the Tim's YouTube channel <laughs> in eight Come months. On. Or <laughs> Come on! Come <laughs> on! 
That TikTok is good, though. I mean, I have to say, Dan, some of those TikTok videos that you posted so far are really fantastic. I absolutely love them. <laughs> I'm excited for when we blow up as as TikTok personalities. Uh, my, my I will. I'm collaborating with my ten year old nephew on it. So oh my god, that's where a lot of the the inputs come from. Yes. Oh, that makes so much sense. Okay, that's why it's so good. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, I'm taking credit for it. I'm just like. Is this funny? Is this cool? And he's like, let me do this. He's like, now it's good. Then nice. hundreds of views later. Instant success. Tim, do you have any plugs that you'd like to give? Uh, not really. You know, listen to the other podcasts that's on this feed. Um, follow Quentin on Twitter at QT underscore Moody. You can follow me at uh, Bone Dog's Wife, uh, ROH Dutch. Um, and you should give us money at coffee, Ko-Fi. Is it? It's coffee, right? Because you buy someone a coffee. I, I think Anyways, it's co- coffee. Um, I've said that. Yeah. I've said that a thousand times. Um, there was something else. Something else that's good. But, you know, everyone knows the stuff. There's nothing new under the sun, Tim. There's nothing new under the sun. We do it for the love of the game. Oh. You know what I just saw? Is I just saw that Jaden Newman posted they posted like a you know give us money for a surgery give throw some money to Jaden newman that guy he busts his ass he deserves it yeah if you were thinking about donate to us donate to him instead um yeah <laughs> we're gonna be okay <laughs> thanks uh i'm not getting surgery we're not getting surgery we're just giving you just the unfettered discourse here on talking attorneys and over at QNTR on the We Don't Know Wrestling Podcast Network. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back next time with Smoky Mountain Cup 2016. For real this time. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs>